is the RUF pastor for Queens here in Charlotte. So we want to welcome you, Josh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, well, it's so great to be with you all this morning uh, as we approach God's word. Uh, and my wife, Ashley, and I have been a part of the community of Back Creek. I think we started coming in September of last year. And uh, my wife uh, and kids joined around Easter time. And just as a word of encouragement to y'all, I know like uh, as you move back towards normalcy, uh, obviously it's been a, a crazy time for everybody and a crazy time in the life of the church. But uh, just to encourage y'all, we felt really welcomed by y'all. Uh, I know it was a it's a weird time to be in community during COVID. Uh, and so many times as we first started coming to Back Creek, people would tell us, like, you know, give the church some time. You know, th things will get better. And we're like, well, this is, even with people wearing masks and distancing, uh, it's just been a great experience uh, for us, for those of y'all who have taken time to welcome us and um, just to see the body of Christ at work even during unusual times. So I hope that's an encouragement to y'all, somebody coming in kind of from the outside uh, to be part of things here. Um, I'm going to be looking at the first commandment this morning. So I'm going to be flipping around to a few different passages uh, of scripture uh, that you can, I guess, maybe set up as separate tabs on your phone or kind of thumbnail uh, on your, uh, in your Bible. But we'll be looking at Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, uh, Proverbs 3, 7 through 8, and Proverbs 14, 26. And kind of the idea behind this sermon uh, came to me as I was reading this book called Provoking Proverbs. And basically the author of the book takes each of the Ten Commandments and he kind of sorts the various Proverbs in the book of Proverbs according to the different commandments. And the idea is that Proverbs really kind of applies God's law to us in these kind of, you know, punchy, pithy ways that sometimes make us really uncomfortable, sometimes uh, put into greater relief for us uh, just in their simplicity, uh, the commandments of God. And so I'm going to be kind of building off of that model a little bit today as we look at both the first commandment in Exodus uh, and a couple of Proverbs that are related to uh, the first commandment. Uh, so uh, again, we'll be looking first at Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. And I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we hear God's word this morning. Uh, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. In Proverbs 3, 7 through 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Please pray with me as we come to God's word. Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you today uh, needing to hear from you. Uh, we pray that you would help us to set aside uh, in our minds uh, the distractions and the cares of life and of this week. Help us to be able to pay attention to your word we pray that you give us soft hearts uh, by the power of your spirit. Give us uh, wills. Give us hands that are willing to put into practice um, the word that we hear from you today. And help us to see Jesus uh, even in this commandment. I pray these things in his name. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, if you've ever had an x-ray or an MRI or some other kind of scan of your body, 
uh, whether it's for something really serious or even for something more basic, uh, you know, it can kind of feel uncomfortable to see the images of yourself displayed on the screen, right? Like whatever scan you're going in for, uh, whatever x-rays you have to see the doctor um, put into relief with you on the screen. Hey, let's look at this thing that's inside of you or a part of you. Obviously, some of those experiences can be really serious. The experience I'm going to relate to you is not quite as serious. Uh, I was at the dentist this past week. We went to a new dentist, and apparently this new dentist had some really highfalutin equipment because when he took the x-rays of my teeth, displayed up on the screen uh, as he went over the x-rays with me were my teeth in high-resolution color. And of course, they're like three-dimensional, and you're seeing like, you know, literally on this big screen TV, you're seeing your teeth and the ins and outs of your teeth and your gum line. Now, if you had good teeth, this wouldn't really be an unnerving experience. Unfortunately, in my case, uh, due to a combination of, I think, bad genes and way too much Mountain Dew my first couple years in college without brushing enough, uh, kids stay away from the Mountain Dew. If you're on Mountain Dew, get off of Mountain Dew ASAP. Uh, it'll destroy your teeth. Um, it was an unnerving experience for me to see in, in relief, like my teeth and the dentist saying, hey, look, here are these cracks. Here's where the decay is. Uh, here's where you've already had a gazillion fillings in your mouth. Uh, but what I appreciated about the dentist was that uh, even as he was kind of, uh, you know, drilling into this x-ray before he, uh, you know, in a few weeks he's going to actually be drilling into my mouth again, um, he, he was using this picture not just to scare me, but to help me and to educate me and to say, hey, here's what we can do with this knowledge about how many cracks there are in your teeth uh, as you think about the first commandment, you might be able to see maybe where the direction I'm headed with this. Uh, the first commandment is the ultimate commandment. Uh, the reformer Martin Luther said that where the heart is rightly set toward God, and this commandment is observed, all the other commandments follow, right? Like if we're honoring God as the only true God, if we were actually doing that, we would be keeping all the other commandments, right? It's kind of like it's the gateway. It unlocks the key into the other commandments to put God first above all things. Loving him is the foundation for being able to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, but the ultimate commandment that God gives first to the people of Israel and then to the rest of us, right, comes in response to God identifying the spiritual tooth decay of his people. Of course, there's even this Worst uh, tooth decay spiritually, right? Romans 1 talks about how everybody suppresses what they know about God. That's our default uh, setting as people. But this commandment comes uh, to God's people addressing the remnants of the spiritual tooth decay that are within us. So what I want us to look at this morning is what does it look like for the ultimate commandment to provoke us in fighting our spiritual tooth decay? What does it look like for the ultimate commandment to provoke us in a good way, maybe in some uncomfortable ways, but ultimately in a good way to fight our spiritual tooth decay. So I want you to uh, look with me as we kind of look at four movements of this fight against spiritual tooth decay uh, in our passages. And I'm, I'm going to be uh, drilling to death this dental metaphor, so ba bear with me. You might, you might feel like you, you, need, uh, you need some laughing gas or something to hang with it. But anyway, um, the, the, fir the first stage in this step is to remember, to remember. Uh, my dentist began by re-educating me about my mouth. Uh, some of these things I knew, some of them were new to me, right? But he talked about uh, the impact of facial bone structure 
Uh, the relationship between my teeth and my gums. I learned way more than I wanted to about gum disease, for example. But I needed to be reminded or to learn about those things, to have a better understanding of my body, to have a better understanding of what does it look like for me to care about this part of myself. I needed to remember, in a sense, part of the reality of who I am. And likewise, the first commandment begins with this preface, right, uh, in Exodus 1 through 2, where God speaks to the people of Israel. He speaks to you, his people, the body of Christ, and he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is how the commandment begins, really, is this call, remember. Remember who God is. Remember who God is for you as one of his children. Uh, the ultimate commandment, it begins with the reminder of the ultimate good news and this bad news of spiritual tooth decay that you and I still grapple with. Uh, and one pastor described this part of the commandment as saying that it implies God's personal presence, that he is the I am here God. You know, it's interesting, like so many times in the Ten Commandments, we can get bogged down in thinking, wow, here's this list of do's and don'ts. Uh, so many people, uh, our neighbors in our culture today think, wow, isn't this just oppressive and sad that you people have to nitpick on these things? But in the context of the Ten Commandments, in the opening, it's this call to remember that God comes to us not as a distant God, even though he is a great and glorious and holy God, but God comes down to personally be present with his people. That's the setting of the Ten Commandments. Like the, like the dentist saddling up his chair next to me and saying, hey, I'm here. Let's, let's talk about this. God is saying, I have come into your midst to be with you. And you look at the progression of this in the scriptures, right? Of course, there's this, this great presence of God uh, at Sinai with God's people when, he, when the law comes to Moses, but the people are still a little bit more distant. But then you think progressively in the history of redemption, right? Uh, God coming in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. God becoming, God the Son becoming one of us, living life in the midst of this fallen world, yet without sin to accomplish our redemption. We might think, hey, when Jesus ascends, the presence of God is less because Jesus isn't physically present with his people. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to be present, to be the down payment of our redemption. The Holy Spirit is present with you. He's indwelling you. He's united you to the Lord Jesus uh, if you are his. And not only that, even though all those, great th all those things are great about God being an I, I am here God, but God is saying, your experience of my presence isn't just in those things in the past. It's not just those things in the present. But that experience of God being an I am here God is going to be even greater in eternity, right? When, when all of the, the spiritual tooth decay has been cleaned out, right? When all of those roots are made well and you can fully experience the presence of God that is promised here, that he is the Lord your God. So I encourage you, be educated, right? Spiritually, remind yourself daily, if you trust in Jesus, that you are his, that he is your God, that he is the I am here God, and he is the I am here God for you on your best day, on your worst day, when the worst scans, right, are displayed on the screens, in your greatest moments of failure, he is there inviting you to know his presence. So fighting spiritual tooth decay, Remember that he is your God. Second part of fighting spiritual tooth decay, right? This is where it gets more uncomfortable. This is where it's like, ah, oh, let's, 
Let's look on the screen and let's identify the cracks. The second, the second movement is to identify your cracks, your spiritual cracks. Uh, I think part of the deep lie at the root of spiritual tooth decay um, is that God is somehow absent. That God is somehow either absent or that God is somehow not ultimate, right? That God's just kind of, you know, that's, that's cool. You have that religion. Uh, you go to church on Sunday, but that's kind of one thing among many things in our lives. And let's not get too serious about this God thing. That's scary. It's the lie of the serpent, right? Coming to Adam and Eve in the garden saying, has, has God said, is God, is God really real? Is God really the I am here God? If he is the I am here God, maybe he doesn't really care all that much about what we do or what we want. Problem is when we believe those lies about God's absence, right? That spiritual tooth decay becomes ever more corrosive. It's like college Josh sitting in his dorm at midnight trying to cope with life and drinking Mountain Dew and not brushing his teeth. It's like you're, ugh. you're uh, setting yourself up for more corrosion, for more decay. The Heidelberg Catechism describes idolatry this way. It says it's having or inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. It'd be easy, like when we think idolatry, right? We say, ha ha, yes, we are against the people of Israel making golden calves. Uh, we're against the pagan tribes in the world, you know, making totems and bowing down to them. Great, we're keeping the first commandment. But the Apostle Paul, right, he says covetousness is idolatry. There, yes, there are some of these visible things of idolatry we want to put off. We don't want to be actually worshiping statues. But when you think about inventing something in which one trusts in place of or alongside of the only true God, I don't know what happens when you look at your heart. When I look at my heart, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of things that I'm tempted to, to put in that category of either in place of or alongside of the one true God, the I am here God. So it's an opportunity to watch out for your cracks, to pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to help you identify those cracks. That As we come to God's word, we, always, we want that mixture of conviction and encouragement of, Lord, show me the uncomfortable things on the screen. Because if you can, you can see the uncomfortable things in the screen and start to tackle them if you have the confidence that you are his, that you can deal with the cracks knowing that he loves you and he's going to help you work through those cracks more and more. But it's also where we need community, right? Where you need to have, uh, obviously, gatherings like this in worship, but also those gatherings where you're with people who can help you lovingly point out, like, you know what? It's like, you, you know, there's something in your teeth there. Like, you've been at lunch, it's like, oh, you, you got something in your teeth. There's people who can help you with those things. And that if you're like me and you get a little rankled when your spouse points those out, not that it ever happens, right? right? But that you pray for the Holy Spirit to give you more humility, to give you a softer heart. And we need to be praying for those kinds of things because idolatry, that heart-level idolatry, can be so sneaky, right? It, it, can, it can be so easy for us to be blinded to what our idols are. Uh, I think about our youngest uh, child, Eliza. She just turned two yesterday. She's easily our sneakiest child. Uh, I think all of our children have a, a, a level of cunning that she's like, ah, you guys are smart, but that's also kind of scary. Um, I see that in myself. Um, right, Eliza has this stealthiness where she'll be kind of testing the waters to do something that she knows she probably shouldn't be doing. 
And she'll kind of start making a move. And if she sees me or Ashley, she'll kind of look at us like, uh, is this okay? Are you going to let me get away with this? Uh, what's going to happen here? Right? I don't know if like teenagers, y'all resonate with this or parents of teenagers, like what can you get away with, right? Or you, you former teenagers. I, I, think a lot of, I think a lot of times, right, if you are uh, a Christian or if you're a person who is like a churchy moral person, it's really easy to kind of approach sin and idolatry. Like you're sneaking around. It's like, what can I get away with? The whole thing with the Pharisees and their legalism was, how can we kind of go up to the water's edge of sin, but kind of, you know, set up these like extra barriers? So our heart's not in it, but we're, uh, how dare you say that we're actually sinning? So much of the sneaky layer of idolatry. We need to ask God's help. We need to be in community to identify our cracks. Where is the decay creeping in where you're putting something else in the place of the one true God. The, the third movement then, right? So remember, identify your cracks. And then there's this invitation to change your habits, to change your habits, right? My, my dental health care plan uh, with, my, with my dentist, right? It's like, hey, here are some uh, drinks to avoid drinking, maybe some foods to avoid eating, especially look out for sugar. I didn't realize like how apparently sugar as it breaks down gets really acidic, I learned that. Um, get on your brushing regimen, your flossing regimen, right? Like anytime you get that kind of medical news, usually there's some kind of call. Change your habits. You've, some things have to change. Uh, and we see this both just in the nature of the first commandment. The, the invitation to not have any other gods implies they're going to be other gods kind of in competition that we have to put away. They're not the one true God. Uh, but then how we live our lives, how you go about making decisions. We see this uh, in our verses from Proverbs 3, 7 through 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And there's a couple ways you can think about applying this. You think about your habits. Um, one question is this. In the, as you think about the trajectory of your life and your decisions, do you notice a pattern of ultimately trusting God? Do you notice a pattern of ultimately trusting yourself, of leaning on yourself, and kind of what you just feel is right sort of in a vacuum? Maybe another way to think about it, maybe it's a little more pointed, is to ask yourself, in what circumstances do you find yourself making yourself ultimate by being wise in your own eyes? instead of trusting God? Where, where are the places that you find your kind of default is you're either just reacting out of self or you're, just, you're kind of making those decisions on your own, even if you're reflecting on, reflecting on them. Where, where are those places? Where are those patterns in your life? And where are those patterns in your life where because of maybe the volume of, your, of the things you're doing, the pace of your life, which I know for everybody, it's like we had this major like dip in activity with COVID, right? Now the pace of life is slowly kind of increasing back to where it was. Where's your life starting to get out of hand again that makes it hard for you to make God ultimate? Where are the habits that need to change in order to make space to ask God to help you to make him first in your life. Positively, the commandment calls us to continually choose the refreshing habit of putting God first and choosing him 
instead of our sin. The commandment calls us to actively worship him and delight in him. And to do that, you and I need the time and the space to do those things, right? That's why prioritizing Sunday morning worship is really important, but also being able to prioritize worshiping with whoever you're living with, right? Whether you have family or you have a roommate or friends, you're taking time to worship God together. You're taking time to pursue worshiping God on your own. Um, Depending on your work, it can be hard to make time for moments of silence and stillness, prayer, scripture reading during the day. But even if it's just a handful of minutes, it can be a time to reorient yourself, to remember God is ultimate and not the things that are going on throughout your day. Meditating on the, on the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's a practice you see a lot of the Reformers doing and emphasizing as just as a commonplace of the Christian life to daily read over the Ten Commandments uh, in, light of, in light of Jesus and uh, to use that as a, as a way to remind ourselves of what God's priorities for us are. That uh, there's kind of a simplicity to the call to put God first. It's often we make complicated when we forget just the, the simple basic things of putting God's word in front of ourselves every single day. That kind of leads to the last movement as we fight spiritual tooth decay. It's to trust your provider. Trust your provider. Uh, if you're moving forward with any kind of medical action plan, right, you have to have some level of trust in your physician. Now, it's not going to be the ultimate trust that you have towards God, uh, hopefully, right? But there has to be some level of trust. You have to trust that, hey, I can, I can um, believe that this person's plan is viable, that they know what they're talking about, that they have my best interests at heart. There has to be some level of trust. And the invitation that the commandment gives in fighting spiritual tooth decay is to place your ultimate trust in the Lord. You look at Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Again, the Heidelberg Catechism uh, puts it this way, I, that the, the positive part of the first commandment is to sincerely acknowledge the only true God, to trust him alone, look to him for every good thing humbly and patiently, love him, fear him, and honor him with all my heart. Right? Jesus is talking about the greatest commandments, Right? Uh, to love the Lord, the God, with, with everything that is within us, and to love our neighbor as ourself. That the invitation of the commandment is to trust God wholeheartedly. Um, I don't know where you're at this morning. As you think about, you think about the whole, your life as kind of a pie, your heart as a pie. Uh, we just had pizza a few nights ago, I think. So we had pizza sometime recently. I think about the different slices of pizza. I think about, like, how many slices of pizza do you feel like you know, you're, you're trusting God in, belong to God. How many slices of pizza? Like, eh, not giving him that slice of pizza, not, not there. Uh, what, what, are, what are the slices of pizza that you're tempted to try to control for yourself and to not wholeheartedly trust God in? Maybe it's thinking about your investments, your career goals, your hopes and dreams for your family. Maybe it's fear of others. Maybe it's exhaustion in ministry, and leading in the church, and leading a family. Uh, maybe it's wanting what other people have. Maybe it's feeling let down at God through times of suffering, times of stress, things that are confusing you, ways that you feel weak or challenged in your faith. Where do, where do you think that your heart is divided? Where there are parts of your heart 
they're kept from God. Well, the good news of the ultimate commandment, right, as you think about wholehearted trust, is that the one whom you're invited to trust, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has perfectly kept this commandment. Uh, that we are always feeble, that we are always frail, that you and I are always going to experience divided hearts. The good news of the gospel, even in this commandment, is that you can trust the Lord Jesus, who perfectly kept this commandment, that he is the one who is stronger than you. He is the one who, because he is the ultimate one, as you look to him, can give you greater freedom from sin, greater joy, and greater satisfaction in him, regardless of your circumstances. And this is something, as the, the psalm talked about, um, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. So there's the invitation as you experience more of this wholehearted trust in the Lord, as your confidence is placed more and more in him alone, that you invite other people to experience that, right? Parents, grandparents, starting with your children, your grandparents, that extends to everybody who God puts in our lives, to invite them to know the confidence of the Lord, to invite, to know the hope of the Lord, uh, that in the Lord Jesus, who perfectly kept this commandment, you can have the hope and the confidence that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, that you are a beloved child of God, that you can go to his throne of grace with your struggles, with your sins, with your temptations, and know that you have help for the time of need. That in the Lord Jesus, as you think, think about, again, going back to our opening illustration, think about the bad report, think about seeing the bad things up on the, the MRI screen or the x-ray screen, that who you are in Christ, ultimately, is somebody without any cracks. You're counted fully righteous you're reconciled to the Father, and the hope of redemption is that a day is coming because of what Jesus has done, where you won't experience any cracks spiritually, you won't experience any cracks physically, when everything is going to be made new and made right by the Lord our God, where you will be fully with the I am here God. That's the hope of this commandment. That's the invitation of this commandment, to find your complete confidence, your complete hope in the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you that you are the ultimate one, that there are, in fact, no other gods, that you are the one true and living God. Help us, Lord, to identify the cracks in our hearts. Help us to identify uh, more and more areas of weakness and brokenness that we need to bring before you, uh, whether it's forgiveness or for healing. Uh, turn our hearts and our minds more and more to you, that we would rest on you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you guys to stand as we sing our last song.